Welcome to Season 2 of the Awareness Podcast. There will be a new episode every Friday from one of our four resident hosts and their guests. Tune in for Conversations in Truth with Bill Free, Living and Not Knowing with Jenny Beale, Tools for Awakening with Cindy Krupp, and Living an Awakened Life with me, Susan Telford. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Awareness Podcast with your host, Bill Free. And this week, it brings me joy and honor to uh, speak with you, speak uh, to bring you into a conversation with a good friend and uh, author, uh, therapist, psychotherapist. Uh, she's an expert in uh, eating disorders, and she's uh, just she's a Course in Miracles teacher. She's uh, she's just uh, has lots of credentials, but but mostly for this conversation, we're going to be talking to Rosalind Rourke about her book that she's just recently published called When Wisdom Arrives. I know you're going to get a, a great pleasure out of reading this book. It's available on Amazon. And in my mind, I was when I was preparing for this conversation with Rosalind and reading her book, I, I'm thinking as a takeaway, this, this should be this should be put out there on the airwaves for anyone that has any kind of uh has a is a parent with uh maybe children with eating disorders or someone that has their own kind of uh uh disorders functions that came from uh addictive uh lifestyles or uh what we're going to talk about in this conversation is maybe generational uh habits or curses if you will uh everyone i just would ask you to give a warm welcome to roslyn rourke hi roslyn and thank you for being here yes thank you for inviting me and i had an experience bill yesterday exactly what you were just saying about parents this was a group i get got to speak to that was organized by some young mothers that are friends of mine who invited uh, their friends. So these were not spiritual seekers. These are not people that ordinarily come to any of our programs. They would not pick up a, a non-dual book. That is not their ilk. They are parents of middle school and young high school students. And... Uh, they hadn't read the book yet. They were given the book. There were about 22 of them. And I just gave a spontaneous talk, uh, really directed toward them the kind of um, message that's in the book and that Rupert does so well when he asks us to uh, basically remember when we were 5 and 10 and 15 and 20, and now, and we have different thoughts, different feelings, different actions, and yet there's something continuous. And what is that something? And we might not have words for it, but everybody recognizes it. And I started putting in a word that's not even in the book yet, but it's about belonging. Because when we have these words, the, the rest of the title of the book is when wisdom arrives from imagined unworthiness to freedom. So when we're imagining unworthiness or shame, that's that loop you were mentioning that we get stuck in. And so I... I, I presented that kind of material to these mothers and they opened exactly the way you expected, the way you predicted. They started coming to me afterwards 
and saying, well, my daughter has this eating thing and, and, and my son uh, worries about this and goes round and round and round and round in the worry. And so what, what, what my pointer to them was, let's look at ourselves first before we try to fix our children, because chances are they're getting messages not of ill will, not of intention, but they're hearing things that are a, a participating part in what's happening. And so one mother said, well, I don't have eating issues. And they weren't eating issues in my country. I said, yeah, but how do you think towards yourself, the, the self that you imagine yourself to be, this separate self? Is what you do good enough? Or are you always striving to do better and more and improve yourself? And so that that exercise where we saw the self wasn't an age and wasn't a behavior and wasn't a thought and wasn't even an action started coming in and there were these light bulbs coming in with these mothers and and it was so beautiful to to show them that they don't need to be further ahead they just need to be in the moment with presence and say, if I've given you any messages that you need to be more, and so you see, we're not using any non-dual words, we're not using any spiritual language, we're just being in the moment with the I am, connecting to another I am, and their child, so the mother saying to the daughter, hey, if you hear me say something like that again, I'm open, you stop me, because that's not the message that we are. And so like owning it themselves, but including, and in in that we're in present moment. So we don't even need those words like awareness and consciousness and words that really I wrote the book partly for my own story to share, but even more because I see so many people that glaze over with the words consciousness and even awareness. They take it to mean my awareness, like my insight from a personal per- yeah. person. And that, I just wanted to write a story because we learn through stories, a story that used no jargon, none, and that just could be related to at any point in life without being a spiritual seeker. Maybe that will come next, but maybe yeah. they'll get it without studying, without the, the direct experience is exactly what we're talking about, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, yes, yeah, uh, I want to show the audience the, the book cover so they'll recognize it. It's a beautiful uh, hardcover book that Rosalind has published, and it is filled with wisdom. The thing I love about this book, Rosalind, I, I like the, the the fact that the beginning is, is a fable. It's a story. It's a fable story that is, uh, that, that gives uh, a, a clear understanding for the way uh, we're more or less impregnated with habits, with with uh, what the Old Testament uh, would call the curses uh, of the of the the uh, generational curses uh, that are passed on from one generation to the next to the next to the next, and it reminds me of a of an Old Testament uh, verse that says the sins of the father will be passed on to the third and fourth generation. And you spell it out just like super clear in your fable and uh, and, and then also your, the, the story, very short uh, application of uh, the, the second half of this book. It's a, it, 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 it sort of describes your relationship with your mother is uh is the 
uh, it, it, the set point, and probably her with her mother, is, is the set point that impregnates the psyche and the experience into the mind that now thinks that it's a separate self, and it's taking this in as uh, internally, this is, you know, and owning it, and it gets passed on to the third and fourth generation. And I I just love how you caught it. I think you ended up catching your the, the mistake uh, in the pattern that was being uh, that was being passed on to Melissa in this story. Uh, and then it was passed on to you first when you were 12 years old. And, oh, my God, I can't believe you weighed 212 pounds. That, like, that was a shocker for me. And, and then you uh, you overcame that, but you didn't overcome the, uh, the, 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 you didn't, overcome the curse until you realized that it was had been passed on to Melissa and and then you saw the big picture for what it was and oh my god it was just uh, it so so i this this short story uh book that you've uh, given to uh the universe or that you've published for mankind is going to be very helpful for parents that have children of uh that that begin to get overweight or have addictive behavior uh situations it's just so uh poignant it's uh it's accurate in its application i i speak you know i'm i'm one of them i have uh i have a son that when he was 12 years old he began getting uh, he began gaining weight getting a little chubby and i'm starting to to tell him at 12 years old uh son you you need to you need to slow down the the food consumption you need to stop eating so much candy and uh, because he he weighed 170 pounds at 12 years old it was it was 20 pounds heavier than his dad and I became concerned about that, and he just went. He went down the rabbit hole when he would go out of town on some kind of a retreat or something that we uh, we'd send him on. We'd clean up his bedroom, repaint his walls, pull the bed away from the wall, and there would be it would be packed two inches thick, all on on two sides with candy wrappers. <laughs> He was he was binge uh, eating candy and just growing like a like a you know an expanding balloon, and so I had that. But I also did the same thing. I shamed him. I guilted him. I did all the things that a parent that's afraid uh, does in error uh, to try to keep him from uh, from uh, turning into this uh, fat man. And right now, today, he weighs 300 pounds. He's a big man. And I am reading your book, Rosalind, going, oh, my God, I did that. Yes, I did that. Oh, damn you, Bill. <laughs> you know, I did all the things that you speak about in your book. And I, I just think that for parents or brothers or sisters or uh, grandparents, anyone that uh, that knows someone or is someone that would benefit from the content of this book. It is so helpful, so valuable. And the protocols in it, Rosalind, they're awakening tools. They're tools for, for awakening. So uh, t t tell me more about this, um, this uh, fable uh, storyline that's in the first part of this book. How did this come into, into play? Uh, well, it was created from that desire to... Oh, let me step back a minute, and I'll finish that sentence in a second. Okay. Uh, when Melissa unexpectedly died, I had a moment, which could be called an awakening moment, but that is not the important part. I had been suffering 
with grief, just letting it rip. You know, even though I was a therapist, I didn't even try to see what stages of grief I was in. I didn't try to use A Course in Miracles or Nando. I did not. I just let it rip. Just let the pain and the suffering just go. Right. So so let's pause right there for a okay. minute. For, for you that don't know who Melissa is, it's it's <laughs> Rosalind's 39-year-old daughter. She, or she passed when she uh, was 39. Unexpectedly. We had no illness. No. So one day, one day she's alive and we, we had a rapprochement. I love that French word. We had a complete coming together. Some would call it forgiveness, but it was way beyond forgiveness because there was no longer anything to forgive. We had reached this place that you just dream of if you've been in the kind of pain that I was in with Melissa, the judgment that Bill spoke of, the shaming, which was never intentional, but judgment is shaming. And um, so we'd, we'd been through the rough times and we were now in this pure place of the, there's a song that says, I'm not your father, you're not my son, we're just two people that's the way I felt uh, that song describes where Melissa and I were. We were just two beings sharing life, sharing wisdom. It was like the most amazing beyond anything I experienced. And then she died. So I felt entitled to just let it rip. And then I was shaken and my experience of it was I was shaken from outside. It wasn't nerves. It wasn't a vibration. It wasn't anything inside. It doesn't matter what it was. That's not the important part. The important part is that I realized I was okay. I, I those were the those that was the feeling like where did the suffering go? I'm okay now. And then the next thought was the taboo. Do I dare admit it? Because a mother who loves her daughter has to suffer, right? And I went, no, that doesn't make any sense. That How does that honor Melissa? That isn't even true. So I started, my brain started scrambling, but I was wide open and I wasn't suffering. How long after her death uh, is this? It's a little tricky because my memory is such a blank. I wasn't tracking months. I would say five months, not that long. Right. right. Uh, That's a guess. It could have been longer, could have been shorter. So so you began uh, awakening awareness or your, your true I self began to realize that suffering uh wasn't it was gone. suffering it was gone. I, I wasn't suffering and it was right. so then after i resided in this more more in the sense of it stayed as my home it has never left as my home i i play in the world i get involved in the world i have feelings i have thoughts but the world isn't my home the same way that that okayness is. It's it's just like a comfort that has never left that I can return to. But then I started to say, okay, so when I came back to feeling more settled in this, I said, what happened? Oh, my God, this is non-duality applied. This is like, don't touch it. Because when in those first moments of that okayness, when I said, okay, Melissa's still dead, but I'm not suffering. I remember she's dead. And just like the little girl says at the end of the fable, her name is Jem, and she's visited by a wise woman named Wisdom. She says, I could remember my story about my mother, but that's what you came here to teach me, right? To not go back to those looping thoughts, feelings, stories, and stay with this okayness that I found. 
Mm. And so it was when I was started thinking, oh my God, even though I didn't try to apply non-duality, the direct experience, it's don't touch it. You teach that. Don't touch it. Let the thought and feeling be acknowledged. Oh, I had an aggressive thought. That's a course in miracles. Acknowledge it. Tell the truth. But that doesn't mean you need to add to it the next moment. And that's where the loops happen. Mm. And so the little girl, she fights with the wisdom character. She says, this doesn't seem like a gift. I'm not my thoughts and feelings. Well, where's the gift here? But there is a gift. Like she was losing something. Yes, she thought she was losing something the way adults try to hold on. So my my desire, if I had one about the book, is that it even extends to anybody who doesn't have an eating issue or another addiction, but believes they are their thoughts and feelings, because that's huge. Mm-hmm. When you actually realize those are energies that change, just like science tells us, they're energy in motion. We are in motion. We are energy. But we haven't learned to apply it. So that's where the shame comes. If I think I am my thoughts and my feelings, then I'm going to feel pretty badly that I had this aggressive thought. But if they're just happenings and and they're they're contagious, if I'm in a bad mood, I can probably, if I were your loved one, make you feel in a bad mood pretty soon without even talking. I could start moving things around and you'd be like, at least what's going on? So they're mm-hmm. contagious. Mm-hmm. And, and so the minute we realize that we're feeding hurtful thoughts and we're, we experience it as a choice, but but we don't get into who's choosing, there is a moment where you can add to it and be aware that you're adding to the hurtful, or you can just put that space there or say, no, thanks. It's a visceral thing, like you're turning right or you're turning left. You can, you, the movement is there. Let's call it the movement rather than yeah. a choice. Because yeah. that go, puts you back to your head. Right, right. Well, I remember in your story, uh, I'm not, I don't remember remember if it was the, if it was the fable or the story, but I remember you having some moments of feeling almost like, is it okay if I don't need to suffer? Is it okay if I don't need to grieve? Yes. and, And so, Walk us through that a little bit, because, you know, a lot of people that have the death in a a family member, a friend, or uh, they feel like, oh, I have to grieve this. Yes. yes. There's a there's there's a silver lining in 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 that uh, recognition. Tell us about yours. Yeah. So there was that moment where I just where I said, do I dare admit that I'm not hurting at this moment, that I'm okay. And I and I recognized I could go back to hurting. It was not even a switch flip. I mean, I could go back to there so easily. It was right there to be tasted, taken. And it, I, that part of me that has always been a truth seeker, even before I found spirituality, some of us have that. It, it's It's just... The truth means more than even our story, you know, like when we see it. And and it was like, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I can't feed that lie that love is suffering. That, that we're, we're told that in the culture. Somebody wears black for 10 years. You say, oh, they must have loved their daughter. What? Why does that make that love? like? And I asked myself, did you love Melissa? Absolutely. Do you still love Melissa? Absolutely. Do I have to suffer? Actually, no. But still there was a going against a taboo. Like, dare I? Yeah, okay, I'll admit it to myself. I'm okay. But that would be another big step to let anybody else know it. And the truth is, 
I've just lived it. I don't go around saying my daughter died and I'm okay. Why? There's no need to, there's no need to do it. I just show up and that's been the movement is just show up fully in life, fully in growth, fully in life. I mean, I can't even say it any better Hmm. without preaching anything, Mm -hmm. giving other people permission not to hurt because psychological suffering is that joining of hurtful thoughts and feelings again and again. The first hurtful thought and feeling is not a problem. It's just that when we feed it means we believe in it. And now we're continuing that trajectory. And it's it's like a direction in a path. You're going this way or you're going that way. It's that clear for me. It's this, the cesspool, the 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 deep dive into suffering or freedom. It's it's not even anything in between. Right, right. It seems like um uh, it, it 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 seems like to to reach that recognition. It, it seems like almost like an intense suffering takes place before someone comes to the realization that that freedom is available. And recently I interviewed Steve Taylor. He's a well-known author and someone that Eckhart Tolle mentions uh, as one of the most influential uh, authors and psychologists of our time. And in his research, Steve Taylor uh, uh, has found after interviewing hundreds of people that Awakening occurs in most uh, situations. It, it doesn't happen so much. It's only like 80, you know, 20% of the people that are on a spiritual path or on some kind of a, you know, some kind of a path tradition. Uh, only 20% of those actually awaken from those the teachings. It's more like 80% of the people that have awakening experiences have them as a result of an intense psychological or traumatic experience. It sounds like you had an experience like that. Uh, and it also sounds like Melissa had an awakening prior to her death. She did. Absolutely, she did. That would be another whole story to tell you about the place that Melissa was at. She would hear messages And she worked with people and they said, there's no way that she could know these things that they were, that she spoke of, but she would hear messages by the stress and leave it in the hotel room for this person, buy it in a size 14, you know, auditory messages like with a clarity and she would do it. That, That was the thing. I didn't question the messages. I questioned like, Wow, you doing this stuff? You're buying a new dress and leaving it, you know. And she would just do it. They said she, one day she said they had me wearing ridiculous clothes today. <laughs> she would she would do it. And to me, that was like all that you ever hear about. Listen to the messages, like surrender, all those words. I was seeing it in front of me. Um, in a very unusual way, certainly very different than mine. Um, you know, Jenny Beale said something very clear to me recently. Most of your audience knows Jenny Beale because she's she's a fan favorite around here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I was speaking to someone in one of her conversations, and she said, you took the understanding from your awakening rather than trying to replicate the experience. Now that's a, that's a paraphrase, but you hear so many people coming to someone like Muji or or Rupert and say, I had this experience 10 years ago and the lights and the flow and the this and that, and I haven't had it again. They're trying to go back to the experience. That's never occurred to me. It never, it just never did. It was the understanding that at any moment it's suffering 
our freedom. And the little girl in the story, so I call the story the fable and my the, my my sharing the memoir just to to differentiate them. Right. And the little the the wisdom character <clears throat> plays games with the little girl so that she has the experience of freedom. And freedom for her is she's forgotten her weight. She's forgotten her issues. She's forgotten her pain and her relationship with her mother. And she's just in that moment of freedom. So she she calls it okayness, just like I did. And she can use that. Nobody needs to have that shaking that I had. That was just a, a moment for me. But everybody has moments of freedom. We have it in deep sleep, but we don't trust the letting go. We have it in nature. Some of us have it in music. Not everyone has it in nature. Some people have it when they paint. And if we are trained to use that as our home, we can have exactly what I have. You don't need to have the tragedy or the awakening, if you want to call it that. We just need to use our experience, our direct experience of letting go the thoughts and feelings because they're not us. I love that one sentence. If I had one sentence in the book, it would be this one. If thoughts and feelings were truth, they would be called facts. Right. Yeah. And if if we take that all the way in to our thoughts and our feelings and not give them that idolization, that love, that respect. And that's pretty weird for a psychotherapist to say, because I spent 30 years honoring people's feelings and suing them in the history. And, and, you know, and now they don't interest me except to be honest that I just had that moment and then not feed it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I I like the, I mean, it, that's also uh, uh, in the fable in under the title, welcome all the, all thoughts and drop the rope. And uh, I like that metaphor because it's not, it's not a doing Uh, it's a metaphor. Activity. It's an activity of of release. Yes, that's so well said. Yes, yes, and that that um, illustration with the the person holding the tightrope, the 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 tug of war, excuse me, and the face is all because uh, that's what it's like when we're struggling and when we're looping and we're going round and round and everything is new possibility we have a possible new moment when we drop the rope and drop the thoughts and feelings because science says in 90 seconds we'll have a new one if we don't feed the old one it's possible possibility is such a great word to people who are suffering because just speaking of grief again when when we've bought into love is suffering then we don't imagine a new moment ever for us. Life is, I believed it when I was hurting. It's like my life is over. Never mind the rest. And even when you want to eat again, you're so shocked that there's desire again, because that's how it is for most people, especially if there's unfinished business. I really was one of the lucky ones because I have no regrets about Melissa. I have no regrets at all. And I 100% accept that it was supposed to be exactly that way. Hmm. We shouldn't have gotten her a blood test. She shouldn't have listened to us about another doctor. Nothing. It was exactly the way it was supposed to be. Because Hmm. there was no, I'm not going back to the thoughts and the feelings and the what ifs and the, that's suffering. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, when you look at, uh, when you look at life experiences, if you have a choice to look at it as uh, how did this this experience 
uh, help me? Uh, well, Melissa's experience, besides being an example of her own awakening, she was an example for you, but also her death became the catalyst for your life. <laughs> it yeah. became the catalyst. And I don't know how that, uh, I don't know, this storyline that you, or this uh, fable, it's it's the story in a teaching. And it offers, and this is the other thing I love about your book, uh, you call the the uh, the protocols that are available for the reader to access these teaching moments, these these examples for their own experience, something that can be uh, internalized, something that can be uh, replicated or used for as a model, a protocol for someone to have their own uh, clarity around the experiences that are are uh, impregnated or that are traumatized as a child or or just passed on as a contagious experience from uh, from parents or or family members it can be cleared up in uh, in these protocols that you offer in this book I, I love this one that you have in the same chapter that I just mentioned. Uh, about believing your thoughts. You call it gentle wisdom says gentle listening is simply listening to our thoughts without judging them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What a beautiful way to 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 say that and and to share that. How was this experience uh, applicable in your in your own life? well, i I just think, not being afraid of your thoughts and feelings. If you don't judge them, then it's no big deal that you had an aggressive thought towards someone or something. It's nothing. It's That is such a help to be gentle to yourself. It all starts with yourself. How you treat yourself is how everything is going to be. So you can't have be kind and wonderful to everyone and be ugly to yourself because the truth is the ugliness, because that it, it's more powerful than what you're uh, uh, striving for. So it's the meaning we make. And if if we're continuing the story or if we're judging our thoughts and feelings, we can't be open and gentle because judgment is the opposite. So stepping away, when we're looping, we're not stepping away. We're in it. And the the little girl gets to play games because that's the only way she can step away from the thoughts and feelings. So even remembering music, if that's your thing, even remembering nature. The problem with that is believing it's the music and the nature and not your essence. If you start to realize that from that generality that you weren't any age and you weren't any thought and you weren't any feeling or action, you're something else, you don't have to name what that is, then that something else that you know is continuous can be your new home. And you can go there when you're in the middle or tempted to judge a thought or feeling, where you're tempted not to be gentle, where you're tempted to not let it be just an energy. It isn't you. So you, so the, what's the harm? Nothing happened. It was a thought. It was a feeling. It's nothing. It, to get that perspective, I, I would suggest going to that thing or that place or that energy that feels more neutral where you're not involved in the story and then valuing it. That's what's missing. People have that, 
They have nature, they have this music, whatever it is. But just like deep sleep, we don't value it and learn from it. Like, oops, that's suffering. Oops, this letting go is everything. It seems like nothing. The ego, the personality wants to make it harder, wants to make, oh, it can't be that easy. It's, it's no, it is that easy. Right. Yeah. This or that. And and I would just say, is there any movement? I love the word movement, even above choice, because choice mm-hmm. cements the person, the separate person, and puts us back in our minds, which yeah. you know, I choose. And then you're back here. But is there any movement away from the hurting thought and the hurting right. feeling? Do I have to join it? Yeah. Well, you you mentioned uh, uh, nature, music, uh, art as those elements of uh, they're 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 reminders uh, of our essence because they are they are uh, expressed they're 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 brought forth from our essence and they remind us of our true nature exactly and, and it's those th- those are the characteristics actually of awakening there's an action there's an action there's a letting go if we have that that oneness experience with art or music or nature we know that it's our direct experience we know letting go of the personality you can't have that oneness in nature if you haven't let go so yeah. owning that valuing that and making that your home and that you don't need nature you don't need art you don't need music it's there always if you let go of the outer world of fixing doing better getting more having that that we can play there but it if it stays our home our best home it's going to be more suffering right those are but reminders of the true nature, right? Yes, yes. And but it's the letting go because we have to own it. We we have to know we have to own that we know it. We you know, um so people wait for the shaking that I had or whatever somebody else had, but and we d- discard this our own experience of nature. Well, that was the music, that was the nature. No, it was you. It was that continuous yes. you that that you allowed nature to show you, that you allowed the art. So you let go the rope of the belief that you are separate and that yes. you have to do something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well said. That that's that's perfect for uh, and that that's exactly what Jem experienced when wisdom invited her. In the fable, wisdom invited her to uh, what was the what was the thing that that Jim was doing pacing, that caused her? Pacing? Was it future pacing yes. with, the, with the computer? Yeah. Yes. Yes. And she was she, it. It it more or less uh, caused her to forget about her uh, her Issues. personal yeah. self identity, her weight, or or yeah. the story or anything yeah. it put her in the zone yes. Of, yes of awakening it gave her a glimpse of yeah. her nature yes yes and she's and the thing that's different about jim who's 11 years old and our typical us is that she went like i did what happened where did it go and and wisdom says, and what size were you when you were playing video games and you had <laughs> friends? Oh, I was no size. And 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 what stops you from clicking except when 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 I'm not here? Well, I thought they'd want to know me. So she started her story and then they'd see me. And she said, but it didn't happen that way. And then she asked her, well, what kind of a friend would you like? And she says, oh, I'd like someone who would see me and hear me and be a good friend and be fun. And she said, but you didn't mention weight. Like, I thought that was the most important thing that friends choose weight. So she had she had somebody uh, be a pointer for her. 
But the important part of the story is that even an 11-year-old girl could recognize she let go of all those looping thoughts and feelings and had that feeling of okayness right now. And later on, when she thought she could go backwards with her mother, she could go back to the old fears that her mother was looking at her tummy. She said, no, but that's what you came here to teach me, right? That I don't need to go back to that that I could stay with this okayness. And then wisdom says, well, what if someone doesn't like you at school? They say, I don't like you. And she said, oh, I would know they hadn't found their okayness yet. Yeah. Yeah. That's really, that's really great. That was, uh, that was where, uh, and wisdom, that that's where Jem was having this, this, clear understanding of her awakening experience and she was able to as you say let go of the rope of beliefs of trauma of shame of blame she was she she found freedom from the old uh from the old image uh, of herself yeah and you know that word residual i think it's so important for anybody uh, I don't believe in, uh, I don't think it's useful to think of the onion. I know it's very popular. The you mean the onion that needs to be peeled? Yeah, and that when you go, when that when these thoughts and feelings from the old stuff pop up, it's just another layer of the onion. Yeah. I think that is not as helpful as residual. The thoughts from conditioning will pop up again. But do you join them? Do you recognize, oh, that's suffering. I could go there. Or, oh, here's freedom right in this second. Yes. I yeah. find that word residual because then you don't have to judge it. Oh, bad. I must not have cured that. I must not be awake. I must not whatever. I'm not yeah. as far as I thought I was. No, it's just an old thought and feeling. Of course, they're going to come back. You lived it however long. But this right now is available again, right now. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. I like uh, I like residual. Uh, it's it's a it's it's clearer, and it doesn't uh, feel like it's uh, never ending. Yeah. More appealing yeah. to do, <laughs> and then it doesn't. Yeah. It, 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 prompt you to identify with it again. It's just that old thing. It's a thing. It's nothing. It's not yeah. even you. It's not your person. It's nothing. So it, it, it just freedom now is always available. And that's shocking to us if we, you know, the words are easy, but to really take in that possibility. And isn't that what neuroscience tells us? that our brains are actually elastic and plastic. It's very important not to feed that identification with your old story. And onion and peeling the onion puts you right back in a new layer of the new story of the old story. And it's very, very tempting. And residual just means that we've all been conditioned by our family, by our society, by our communities. And there it is again, as the prompt from the old, but it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean it's you. You don't have to do anything with it, like work on it, let it go again, take it back. You don't need to, but don't be scared of it. It's You expect it. You've lived how many years with those thoughts and those feelings looping back and forth, of course, it's going to come back as a thought or a feeling. But if a thought or a feeling isn't you, there's nothing to do. It's just energy. And that at any moment, every moment, there's that possible movement to freedom. And it's right there, always right there. Yeah. I had only one moment where I was ever tempted to go back down the tunnel of suffering. And it, I don't know if it would be useful, but I'll share it with you. My niece was visiting with her little children, like two and four. 
And I said, this could be Melissa visiting. And this wave of pain with her children that she didn't have. And this wave of pain and suffering came back. It was briefer than my words to describe it. It just you mean, was. This was an internal uh, voice. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. You know, I saw my beautiful niece that I love with her children. And there was that thought, this could be Melissa and with her children. And that wave immediately came back of she's dead or whatever. They didn't even have words. It was just pain. And it was like I I allowed it that whole minute enough to make me want to grab back onto freedom. And I said, no, no. I'd rather be here with my niece now and enjoy her children. Hmm. That suffering, the memory of that suffering can be our teacher if we're willing to know the freedom and make that home. Hmm. Because the suffering, it knows how to do that. I mean, you had so many years, you know, if you're like me, you know, whatever it is your thoughts were, you've had years with them. Hmm. And they're ready. It's not bad. It's not wrong. It's not unspiritual. It's just energy. Like if you throw the ball up, it's going to come down. It's the law of physics. If you've had a thought for 50 years, 40 years, 60 years, and a feeling that repeated, it's going to come up, but not as an issue. It's just a residual. Right. Right. And we're always, at every moment, free to uh, free to choose. And I don't really like choose to take the movement. To take the movement, it does feel like a choice. It does. It does it, to the mind, but that's it, because the mind doesn't realize. Yes. It, it doesn't. It, the mind never has the the awakening experience, so it's grasping for uh for an, an answer it's grasping for a doing and uh, a complexity the mind loves loves the complexity make it hard make it make a lot of steps make it i have to study for 10 years and stay on the meditation cushion even longer till my back hurts and my butt hurts and maybe then something will happen right, right. yes well yes. It's, it, it's right now it's available right now by letting go of my interest in that stuff. Yeah. It can and happen. Letting go is 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 limited. The letting go doesn't really happen. It re- it releases itself on the recognition of the true I. Yes. Yes. But even if we don't have that developed um ideation and a pathway like you and I have. If you just go to the simplicity of this hurts and this doesn't. <laughs> yes. Well, that's why I love your the language in your book, like the, the language of okayness offers freedom. Yeah, and 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 thoughts and feelings that are hurtful cause suffering, psychological suffering. And everybody knows the difference between a thought that says, take a sweater, it's cold out, versus you screwed that up. We (laughs) we know the difference. (laughs) And one is hurtful and one is neutral. And there are few neutral thoughts that you don't have to worry about it. You'll recognize it when they're there. And just start looking for, is there anything hurtful about this? thought or feeling, do I want to continue joining it? You know, is there any movement away? Is there any movement toward freedom or peace? Or I think it feels like nothing. The action is all in those thoughts and feelings, the drama, the the, the hype of it, that this, this neutrality or this okayness doesn't seem exciting to the to the person. If mm. they, you know, that that continues the attachment, even if it's hurtful. Right. So it, it's almost like the okayness is the 
is the quiet witness. Yeah. It, yes. It, it's like uh, the it, it, and and from the the okayness is a sort of a bridge uh, for someone that's not spiritual, someone that doesn't have a tradition that doesn't have you know it's not about something uh, awakening. It's that okayness is still a mechanism uh, for the bridge of no judgment, for the bridge where wisdom can come in and uh, and it's it sets the space, the psychological space for 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 gentle listening to reveal itself. Yeah. And freedom is right there. Yeah. People would be so shocked that this peace that passes all understanding, this freedom is in that nothingness, that's okayness. It doesn't even sound like an attractive word to people <laughs> wanting to get more, you know, like you'll be okay. Well, I don't want to be okay. I want to be exceptional. I want to be extraordinary. I want to succeed. Yeah. But if, what if everything you were looking for from that success was in the okayness? Would you want it? Would you be interested? Would you try it out? Just try it out. If you want to reject it and go back to the suffering, it's there, available anytime. Yeah. You you give uh, okayness in your book uh, a, a cool description uh, uh, when you call it, or, or a sort of a role. Ask your okayness what to do. This is what Jem uh, says. Uh, to to mom and, and when when she's speaking to mom and and that's that's important because you can actually that's that's asking your internal guide your okayness uh, love pure presence whatever you want to whatever other kind of uh, you know your higher power power God of your understanding any of those things will work ask your okayness what to do you'll know. That's a, a brilliant way to give someone a useful tool that will give them the wisdom that they're looking for, the the gentle uh, the, the, the next step, the where to go, what to say to whom. It, it is that that you're inviting the, the reader to have a direct experience with something that they may not even uh, they don't know about and they don't need to know if they just follow this protocol yeah that was a a very touching line even for me uh, because i was finding the right words as the author finding the right words that are not religious that are not even non-dual but to stay with the purity and simple simplicity of the direct experience and that we do know and that there is a movement that 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 you know some people feel it as a movement some people hear see it or hear it or just do it but it's a knowing yeah yeah it's all right here well rosalind this is a gem <laughs> of a book and uh, that that really concludes the fable to to getting into the next uh, half of the book, which is your memoir companion, your story that is really what the fable is about. And this has been an awesome introduction and dis, uh, discussion about your new book. I'm very happy to share this with the listeners here on the Awareness Podcast. And thank you for being my guest today for this discussion, your brilliant new book. And thank you for sending me a copy and for uh, for bringing this forth to our audience and the world. And for those of you that don't know Rosalind, she is also one of our co-hosts on our weekly book study, and she's involved in many things that the Teachers of God Foundation, now known as the Center for Awakening, uh, is uh, is presenting and helping the world with uh, support of it. And Rosalind is one of our supporting members 
And thank you, dear, for this time that we could spend together. Thank you. It's been so much fun and so enlivening. And I appreciate you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Rosalind. That's awesome. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the Awareness Podcast. Please remember to subscribe so that you receive a notification each time a new episode is released. Be sure to tune in next Friday for Living in Not Knowing with Jenny Beale and her guest Ellen Emmett in an episode entitled Psychology from a Non-Dual Perspective. Would you like to explore spiritual awakening every day in the company of like-minded men and women? Then we invite you to check out our spiritual community, Evolve. Click the link in the show notes for this podcast for more information and to join us. Monthly and annual memberships are available. The Awareness Podcast is brought to you by Centre for Awakening, formerly known as the Teachers of God Foundation, in association with Pure Presence Conferences.